Well, hello there. This podcast episode is brought to you by this magical thing called a snow day. I am on day number two of a snow day. I, in case you don't know, am in middle Tennessee, kind of in the Nashville area. And like so much of the middle of the United States right now, we're just kind of covered in ice and snow. And I'd be fibbing if I didn't say I'm loving it. I mean, let's be honest. What teacher doesn't love a good old-fashioned snow day just as much, maybe even a little bit more so than our students? And honestly, I've been I've been needing this. Um, I've been struggling a little bit lately with a feelings of burnout, feeling like I definitely could be doing so much more and so much better. But I mean, that's like the constant life of a teacher. I feel like we all want to do so much for our kids, but yet time is limiting. And of course now, gosh, we're all over the map right now as teachers. Some of us are in-person teaching like I am um, and have been since August. Others I know are virtual or there's the hybrid model. I don't even know how you hybrid friends are able to wrap your brains around that. So if you guys... (laughs) aren't teachers and you know a teacher, make sure you thank them because we all kind of drowning in whatever crazy situation that we're in. So I am super appreciative of a day, thanks to you, snow and ice, where I can sit down and relax, catch up and take a breath and talk to you guys. So I've been meaning to talk to you all about this subject that we're going to broach today um, since last week when it was brought up on an Instagram post. And we're going to be talking today about how to deal with, well, the the episode previously that I recorded about this topic. So this is almost like, um, we'll call it episode two of this. Previously, episode number 35 was called Dealing with Bullies in the Workplace. And if you haven't listened to that, you might want to take a listen. It talks a lot about the same subject, but from a different point of view. I'm not going to be repeating myself. I have a lot of different thoughts to share about the subject, so it's definitely worth listening to the other one too. I share a lot of my experiences with bullies in that episode. Um, And if you're in a situation where you're dealing with bullies, I think it's so helpful to hear about other people's struggles with it so you can know that you're not alone and you can kind of see how they worked themselves out of that predicament. But in this episode... We're going to come at it from a slightly different angle. And it all began with a question on an Instagram post. And the question was this. I love this question because it ends with a a compliment, which, you know, who doesn't love a compliment? The question was, do you ever have to deal with rude staff or fellow teachers because you shine so bright? It's a very nice thing to say. Um... Just a little bit of a backstory. I've been teaching for 23 years. I taught for five years in Nashville, and I've been spending the last, I'm not good at math, what was that, 16 or 17 years here at my current school in Franklin, Tennessee. And I would say that I dealt with, I hate to say the word rude, but I know what she's saying, but I've dealt with my share of, we'll just call them bullies, throughout teaching. Um, They came in the form of parents, administration, fellow art teachers, teachers, staff, I mean, all walks of life. I think, you know, that's just not only par for the course for being a teacher, but just being an adult. You know, we all throughout 
our lives have to deal with rudeness and rude people who kind of take on the guise of a bully. But I will say that it, it I was a lot more sensitive to it, and I felt like I had to deal with it a lot more when I was a younger teacher. Those first five years as a teacher, I was definitely more sensitive to it, aware of it. Um, and then even making the move to my current school, I would say that the first seven years, I definitely, it kind of engulfed me, I would say. So yes, I have had to deal with it. But lately, no. Um, and I think that, that there's a couple of reasons behind that. The main reason I would say is because I've been teaching for so long that you know, if you're a teacher in a school, you know there's the newbies and then there's the people who appear to have been at that school since the beginning of time. That's now me. <laughs> I'm now the person who like helped build the school practically. You know, it's just I've always been at the school, it seems, and I don't appear to be going anywhere. And for that reason, it's just kind of accepted that yeah, our art teacher dress is kind of wacky. She's always running late. She's a hot mess, yada, yada. Isn't that how all art teachers are? Because that's how our art teacher is. So there's something to um, being that kind of old standby teacher where people just kind of accept your your wacky behaviors and your way of doing things as the norm, and they don't really question it. So I haven't experienced too much of it on that end. And then the other thing is, sorry, there's a, a train going by. I'm not sure if you guys are picking up on that audio in the background. Um, and then the second thing is, is just getting older and bec becoming more accepting and loving of yourself. So you stop focusing or even noticing so much of what other people are saying or doing um, to kind of be the little you or to make you feel badly. It's just kind of like you don't even notice it, you know, as much. Um, so anyway. Before I go off on too many tangents, I actually have a little bit of a list. I have some notes, and so I'm going to come on back to those. So I want to talk to you first about if you're struggling with rudeness in your school or if it's, if it's bothering you, um, here's something that I feel like they don't tell you when you're a kid. Here's my list of the top three things that nobody told me when I was growing up, um, and it was a rude awakening for me. So thing number one, making friends when you are an adult is so much harder than when you're a kid. You know this, especially if you're a parent. You see your kid on the playground. They walk up to another kid. Hey, do you like the color red? Yeah, I love the color red. Great. You're my new best friend. I mean, you're just like, how did they do that? How did you just like get a play date all lined up with the last five kids you just encountered on the playground. I can't even get somebody to hang out with me at Starbucks without me being assumed that I'm some sort of freaky weird stalker. How'd you do that? It's so difficult, I feel like, as an adult to make friends. And that's something that I really struggled with when I um, first struck out as a teacher and when I was in my 20s and even in my early 30s. I, I was like, how do I even like approach somebody and be like, so do you Want to take an art class together with me? Like it was so awkward and weird and you just have to plug your nose and do it. But that's just something that I wasn't prepared for that, you know, I wouldn't be encountering adults every day like I did in college and meeting new people every semester and making new friends that way. No, it's tough. And I remember at the beginning of every school year when they would introduce the new teachers when I was a teacher and they would introduce the new teachers for the school year, I would think to myself, oh, I hope this person 
at least has one thing in common with me, at least would want to hang out with me, go grab a coffee, go take a class, do anything. And I was so hopeful. I remember praying, praying. And I, I, that's not something I do on a regular basis. But like, please let this person be my friend. It's, that just sounds so pitiful. But I want you to hear this because I want you to know if you're struggling to find people to connect with, it is a struggle and you're not alone. The other thing that nobody tells you when you're a kid is that adults are actually meaner than kids. We see kids every day be kind of like, you know, mean to each other, speak rudely, push each other, shove, and hey, why'd you do that? Don't look at me, that kind of thing. Um, And we're just like, doggone, why can't these kids get along? And then we see adults in the hallway who are pretty much pulling the same business, they're just a lot more savvy about it, right? Sneakier about it. And I have to say, I hate to say, but I have to say, I feel as though females, women, we can be the worst about it. Yeah, I said it. Um, it's, It's tough because, you know, in a school, we're mostly surrounded by females. And so we're mostly surrounded by folks who can be mean. And nobody told me that when I was a kid. You know, I just thought that um, people were mean in in school and in high school, and then everybody grows up and then acts like a grown-up. Oh, no, no. Thing number three that nobody taught me is that bullies grow up. Um, But their tendency to bully does not. So there you have it. Isn't that uplifting? The top three things that you were not told about being grown up when you were a kid. I just laid it all out for you. So sorry you're getting the memo a little bit late, but that's when I got it too. And as a new teacher, I feel like all of that is really compounded because you're insecure. You have a desire to be liked and accepted. And you're trying to do your best for yourself and your students. And I said, you know, as a new teacher, but let's be real. This is like uh, all the time, especially that last one. You know, no matter where you are in your teaching career, you're always trying to do your best for yourself and, well, for your students. Um, and of course, you know, even as an older teacher, I it's nice to be liked and accepted by the folks that I worked with or work with. Um I don't place as much stock in it anymore as I once did. And I definitely don't feel that amount of insecurity um, that I used to. So I think for me, and I talk about this a lot in this podcast, I always have to paint a picture for you because I'm such a visual person. And, you know, like I always say, I assume you are too. And so I'm going to give you a bit of a visual. And hopefully it will help make what I'm about to say more comprehensible. Everything you do, you do through the lens of your, I call them your insecurity sunglasses or your insecurity sunnies. So what are insecurity sunnies? It's your perspective and it's unique to you. We all are walking around with a pair of invisible insecurity sunglasses strapped to our face. And each of us has a degree of shade, (laughs) and I mean that in both senses of the word, and they come in a variety of colors. 
So by shade, I mean like if you're walking around with your insecurities sunnies and they're very, very dark, you know, you have a lot of insecurity. You're viewing everything in your life through that dark tinted lens. Suddenly, you're... Um, you're almost raw to everything that you see. Everything kind of goes back to your sense of insecurity. I'm trying to really express this to you and I'm struggling with my words and I apologize. But hopefully that makes sense. You know, when I started teaching, my insecurity sunglasses were extremely dark because everything I viewed, I viewed with a heavy dose of insecurity. Now I'm not necessarily, I don't think insecurity ever goes away, but I'm definitely not as insecure as I once was. So my, my sunglasses have changed. They're a lot lighter and I don't necessarily see every, I mean, I still do see everything in my life through them, but it's not as dark of a perspective, so to speak. And then of course, there's the color that you view it through. You know, when I used to view um, teaching I think the color of my glasses was probably blue. I was sad a lot. I was struggling a lot. It was probably a dark blue lens. It was my Picasso's blue period, so to speak. And now sometimes they vary between a yellow tint or maybe a pink tint. They're dark still sometimes. They do change sometimes depending on my mood and how sensitive I may be. Lack of sleep definitely kind of adjusts my insecurity sunnies. You know, if I'm getting a little hangry, I definitely have a different way of viewing something that I may have taken it differently had I had a good meal or a good night's sleep. Hopefully this makes sense. But if you can just imagine that everybody is kind of walking around with their own prescription, their own set of insecurity sunnies, I think that it might help us get a little bit of a better handle on this situation that we're calling bullying. And since everybody's insecurity sunnies are different, I think that's why sometimes we can't see, uh, quote, eye to eye with someone because they are viewing their life through their own set of um, lenses. It's oftentimes, you know, like you might fuss with your spouse or get into a disagreement with a family member or even a coworker because you're not looking at the same situation in the same way. And it's tough to be able to remove yours and maybe put on theirs for a second or vice versa, or just remove both of you remove yours and just see the situation a little bit more clearly for what it is. So with that being said, when you have your insecurity sunnies on, when you approach teaching art, what you probably see is something that I see and many of us see. It's a job that we love and a desire to do our best, right? That's how we're viewing our job with our sunnies on. But from somebody else's perspective, those people that are, quote, rude staff and fellow teachers, those folks that you find to be striking out against you or saying mean things or just belittling you, what they see is you trying to possibly outshine them. They may feel threatened by you as a teacher. And when somebody is threatened, that often leads to anger. And sometimes the result of that anger is to lash out. And a means of lashing out is to lessen your worth. 
because that tends in their mind or just for their feelings, it tends to elevate theirs. So I guess that's kind of like me dissecting the bully or the rude comments that you may experience. They feel threatened. That leads to anger. They lash out. And you're the victim. But this high that they experience um, is short-lived, especially as you continue to, quote, do you, which is why I think the cycle kind of continues. So if you have a person who's kind of made you their target, that's why, I think. And often others will fall in line behind them. I know um, several years ago at my school, there was definitely a ringleader. And I think I may have mentioned this in episode 35. And that ringleader, I was so surprised because it felt so much like junior high or high school. You know, like in junior high or high school, there was always the, the queen bee. And these other folks just kind of fell in line and laughed at her meanness or even kind of joined in. And I was just shocked. I could not believe. I wasn't a victim to it, but I saw many teachers who were. But that was the year that I learned to just stay in my room and not trust a lot of folks, which is a sad thing to say, but um, and just stay out of the way. And I was just shocked at the behavior that I saw. And I was really disappointed to see so many people just kind of fall in line. And then I realized, oh, if they don't, then they know that they could possibly become the target of that person's insecurity and lashing out and become um, a target in that cycle. And here's the deal. You cannot, at least not very easily, change how these people see you. Just like you cannot change the prescription of your insecurity lenses very easily. You can't change theirs, not not easily. Um, and should you really be spending your time trying to? What you should be focusing on is changing your perspective. So here's what you can do. I say, number one, take off your insecurity glasses because just maybe you are exaggerating the situation. So maybe what you're perceiving is, oh my gosh, this person's picking on me. This person's bullying me. This person doesn't like me. Are you sure? Let's take off those glasses for a minute. Because number one, let's just stop assuming that this is about you. I mean, like I mentioned, this could all be stemming from their own insecurity, right? And here's something that I often tell myself, you know, if somebody makes a, a mean comment to you in passing, is it because they um, have those insecurity lenses and they're lashing out? Or is it because they're hangry and they're having a rough day? Or is it because just whatever, you know, the moon shone light out of the rear end the wrong way? Who knows? But just stop assuming for just a second that it's about you. Because not everyone is always thinking about you, you know, the way that you are thinking about you. I mean, your mind is always on yourself and what are other people thinking and does my hair look weird, da, 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 da. 
And half the time, nobody notices. You know, sometimes I'll, I'm always surprised when I'm like, I'll say something like, my hair keeps sticking up. And somebody will say, oh, I didn't even notice. So what's totally striking obvious to you, the other person's like, huh? I didn't even notice because I'm too busy thinking about 20 other things that I have to deal with. They're worrying about themselves. So don't always assume that something that's happening is about you. Also, another way to kind of let that go is stop hitting the rewind button. I am the worst at hitting the rewind button. I replay things, and I think this is just what everybody does, all day long in my mind. He said what? She did this. They looked at me that way. They did that. Oh, my gosh. And then the loop, it's like a hamster wheel. It just keeps spinning and spinning and spinning. You've got to stop doing that. Um, I don't know how. <laughs> Try just like, I don't know, thinking about something else, putting your mind on some positive thoughts. Something that I've started doing recently was um, on my calendar. I have a calendar that has large like two-inch boxes. And at the end of every day, I write as many positive things that I can squeeze into that little box that have happened throughout the day. And what that does is it allows my mind to just spend a couple of minutes focusing on the positive, sitting and thinking about what positive things happen. And when I sit and think about those positive things, it pushes out the negative things. And I never write the negative things down because it's not something I want to remember. I want to remember in a couple of years when I look back at that calendar, the positives. I don't want to remember, oh, somebody gave me a dirty look and then I talked about it for five minutes with my coworker which is something I totally would do. And I don't want to think about that because I know it's petty and silly and I need to let it go. So definitely stop hitting that rewind button and stop putting any value on their um, comment and what they might be thinking about you. Just stop putting any sort of value, time or energy in that space. I just finished reading The Tao of Pooh, um, T-A-O of Pooh, Pooh is in Pooh Bear, and The Tay of Piglet. I think it's pronounced day, actually Dao and day. So my apologies for mispronouncing. So um, I, I loved both books. I really liked The Tao um, of Pooh. Both of them were good, um, but The Tao was great. And so I highlighted the living daylights out of the book. So here is a little quote um, from that book. And the book is by Benjamin Hoff. And it might help you start putting value on what you see, not what others see or say. And the quote is this, the surest way to become tense, awkward, and confused is to develop a mind that tries too hard, one that thinks too much. Especially if that too much is about what other people think, right? And another quote that I recently read on Instagram, it's by Melissa Bolton. It's, don't take criticism from someone you wouldn't take advice from. That one really, really um, hit home for me because if I wouldn't ask a certain so-and-so how to do this, that, or the other, or their thoughts on teaching art, like think about it. If you're um, starting to take to heart what another fellow teacher who doesn't teach your subject matter says about 
what you're hanging in the hallway or how you're leading your class or whatever, they don't teach art. They don't have a degree in art. Why would you even take advice from them? Why would you even take that criticism to heart? Because you wouldn't take advice from them, right? Or if it's a fellow art teacher who um, you wouldn't, you know, want to be in their classroom, so to speak. And I hate to say that because that just sounds rude. But, you know, why would you take their criticisms then to heart? And instead of um, doing those things, instead of assuming that it's about you, hitting the rewind button and putting value on their comments, how about doing this? Start communicating to those folks if they deserve it. So start just asking them, what did you mean by that? Because maybe it's not what you thought because your insecurity lens has gotten the way. They were fogging it up. What did you mean by that? What does that mean? You know, ask them, communicate with them instead of just like, being in the hamster wheel, replaying it, trying to unpack it through your lenses when you need to actually see that comment for what it is through their own lenses, right? And start learning to also just shrug it off. Shrug it off. My favorite quote when I was really tangled up in all of this drama with bullies, which you can hear about in that other episode I keep mentioning, um, and I would talk to Mitch about it every day after work. And I know he was so tired of hearing me just talk about it. He said, this is the best quote you're going to hear yet. Get ready to jot it down. Stop giving a shit what other people think. Just stop. Stop it. Stop it. Just smack yourself on the wrist and just stop it. Because your time and your mental energy, that's your currency. That's your money. You want to safeguard that money. And you don't want to be blowing that money unwisely on stupid stuff, on stuff that you can't control, on stuff that you're never going to understand because you can't see it through that other person's lenses. And it's maybe not worth your time to try to do so. Here's my theory about all things bullies and mean comments and rude folks, my theory is, is that everybody wants to be loved. Everybody wants to be appreciated, recognized, praised. We all want that, right? To some degree, you know, some people are like, no, no, no. I, no, that doesn't mean anything to me. To some degree, though, it does. Everybody wants to be loved. And they have tinted glasses and tend to go about getting that love, however they perceive that to be, in different, sometimes hurtful ways, right? Now, my husband, on the other hand, when I presented this theory to him long ago, when I was going through all of this, and I said, look, I just think everybody wants to be loved and you know, people just go about it the wrong way and they're seeing things through their own perspective. And he said, no, no, no. Some people are just mean. Okay. And then there's that. That might be true too. Regardless, how do you deal with rude folks in your life? Think about those insecurity sunnies. Think about your perspective of what you're hearing. Are you viewing it through your lens? Are you kind of misreading it? Think about it through their lens. Are they, 
seeing something that you're doing and feel threatened by it and therefore lashing out. And then just think of it this way. Is this worth your, quote, money? Your time, your mental energy is your cash. Time to take that balloon, let it go. Spend your time and your cash, your mental energy, which is your cash, spend it wisely, y'all. Thank you guys so much for letting me share. Have a good one.